The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 164 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? I'm tired. I mean... The NBA never stops. You know, can't we get a few weeks off? I mean, is there anyone who watched like Giannis dominate the finals, such a high, everyone's loving it. And, and it's like, you know what I really need now is, you know, some summer league action. I want to see how Killian Hayes is doing. It's like, give us a break. Take summer a month league, off. Summer league ended Sunday night. Uh, I think it was a success, right? I would say that summer league was a success. I Got people hyped for the rookies. I, I saw just so much talk about how amazing this rookie class is, how Jonathan Kaminga is the next Jalen Brown. I think like every, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure like every top 10 pick, except for Josh Giddey, because he got hurt right away and didn't play. But everybody else had like one performance at least where you were like, wow, this guy's really good, right? Like Scotty yeah. Barnes has a really good, had a really yeah, good Yeah, like Scotty Barnes didn't do that well. Then he had a monster game. Then people on social media comparing him to Scotty Pippen now. Mm, uh, that's a good one. They have the same first name. Very apt comparison, I would say. Yeah. But then, like, you know, Cade had a good game. Cade had a couple good games, looked really good yeah. shooting the basketball. Uh, but that's really what you want to avoid. You know, like, your guy, Cam Thomas, scored 30. Um, first of all, that guy is, I don't know, we, we can talk about more about him, but, like, I don't know how he'll do in Brooklyn just because there's not, like, a ton of need for him to just score. But, like, if he went to a really bad team, I bet you he could average like 20 points on just horrific oh, shooting sure. numbers tomorrow. You know, you know who Cam Thomas reminds me of? Uh, my wife's dog. This sounds <laughs> offensive, but my wife's dog was a rescue dog and didn't eat a lot. Um, so like, and he just like scarfs down food. Like he's never going to see it again. And I feel like Cam Thomas is like that with shot attempts. It's like, is, I don't know how many of these I'm getting. I'm taking every I'm single taking one. Every- Taking everyone, it's it's amazing. He was awesome against the Wizards, where he hit the game tying three in overtime and then double overtime sudden death, and he just hit like a he like loses the ball and hits like a, a runner in double overtime to win the game. But again, you know, you you would assume in Brooklyn, like even with Patty Mills, that like there'll be some time where like Kyrie and James Harden and Patty Mills, like all of them are out, and like you'll get to see. There will definitely be a game late in the year where Cam Thomas gets to shoot at 35 times a game. And let me tell you something, Zan, I will be tuned in to that specific game. Well, and what's interesting about him is usually you think like a rookie on a, you know, win now team, he's not going to be ready for a few years, but he was like day one scoring like that in college, you know, yep. did it in high school. Like, I think he's closer to that like ceiling than he would be otherwise, just because that, that, that's what he does. He's going to, he can, he can score. He can volume score today in the NBA. There's no question about it. Can he do anything else? I have no idea, but I would say like very that's useful. Good. It's, it's a good, it was good for the only, you know, Evan Mobley, I thought looked a little soft, honestly, which is not good yeah. for, for our takes about Evan Mobley, but you know, he was productive. Jalen green was very good. Jalen Suggs got hurt, but he was quite good. Like, I, and I think that this is a rookie class to, to be excited about, you know, you can, Go on BovadaSportsbook.com and you can currently bet on 
rookie, rookie of the year. Of the year. Yeah. And, and the two, fa- I was going to ask you about that bet actually, because I, I was just eyeing it. Cade and the Jalen Green and Cade are like the two top guys and they have the opportunity. They have the hype. Cade plus 250, Jalen plus 300. Do you like either of those two? Yeah, I like them both personally. I mean, I think that, you know, if you're going to bet the same amount on those two, and then you're going to maybe throw a long shot on Chris Duarte, who was, you know, very solid in in summer league. Trey Murphy, 80 to one. He looked good, actually. Yeah, he had one really good game, right? And Zaire Williams had a pretty good game, too. So I I think, you know, that one of the things about summer league that's so interesting is that there are definitely guys, there are rookies, and they're the most exciting things to see, right? But like Portland, for example, had like Michael Beasley and Emmanuel Moutier on on their team. So it's also guys that are trying to prove it, but there's also, there's not really like the talent discrepancy between good rookies and then like kind of journeyman, like older guys who are vets who are trying to make it. It's, it's pretty stark, right? Like that's, yeah. and that's why. I, you know really what? I was going to ask you about this actually. Cause you know, we say like rookies are usually like the worst players in the league. That makes sense. They're 19 or whatever. Um, I've always been struck in the last, like, let's say five years, 10 years, how, like professional the rookies seem you know like their skill might not be there but like in terms of like the attitude i mean like i remember like maybe growing up in the 90s or whatever but like it felt like rookies were just like so immature and in over their heads and now i feel like they're like little pros well part of that i think so there's there's a couple things right there are literally I feel like there's like three veterans left in the entire NBA and like one, right. One of them is like Udonis Haslam and then everyone else plays on the Lakers. Right. But, yeah. but most teams just don't carry unless you're a really good player, like unless you're Chris Paul, right. Like most teams just don't carry a lot of guys over the age of 30. So I think that the discrepancy between, you know, kind of your older, tougher veterans that used to exist in the NBA that don't exist now, I think is pretty stark. Right. Because, you know, let's say you had, you know, Tony Batie is a guy I always think about. Like Tony Batie hung around for a long time and he could always rebound, but he never was like a great NBA player as he got older. But, you know, that guy doesn't exist anymore, right? Like that guy's now Josh Jackson, where you're just like taking right. a flyer. So when you have a- the, the guys that I was thinking about, are like the old Indiana Pacers teams, where it was like they had Dale Davis. Dale Davis. And Tony, they were both like 250 pounds and they Austin, were playing like small, I mean, power forward. They Austin Crozier hung around for yeah. like a long time, right? And I, you just don't have those types of vets anymore. And so, I don't, I don't want to be like a get off my lawn type of guy. I know I do that from time to time, but I think that's a little bit of why the difference between rookies and what you see on a daily basis is, is not as big because, you know, I mean, free, like Luca is like Luca, Jason Tatum, like those guys are so young and they're just like two of the best players in the NBA. Right. And they're not that much older than guys that are playing in summer league. Right. Like Trey Young and Luca could both play in summer league this year. They're, they're still 30 year players. So like, yeah. It's it's just to me, I think guys are just ready and trained. And I think, yeah, I think there's something to like the professional, like there, you know, there's now these like, you know, fake high schools. I don't know if they're fake or not, but like they seem like basketball academies. Yeah. You go there to be prepared for college, to play college basketball. You're correct. Right. And no, they're not the fake. League, they're not fake. Fake, is, fake is not fair. But Do they yeah. take classes? I didn't even know if they take. Yeah. Do they, they take a like, history use- class. Yeah, probably probably history of the NBA, right? History of college <laughs> basketball. I don't know. I mean, it's not it's not like a Jim Herrick situation where they're taking like history of Rhode Island basketball. But maybe but, a, whatever that you know, like the paying college athletes now, like it, they are little businessmen. I mean, like I, some of them feel like more mature than I am in I terms mean, that, of like like they you know they probably have like a little like you know they have like employees when they're like nineteen years. I mean, old. that's what it's we've crazy. talked about with Kate Cunningham from the start. Like he is so impressive when you sit down and you listen to him, it's like, he's just been ready to be a professional basketball player for the last like four or five years. And I don't think that he is, 
the norm at all because, you know, Jalen Green and Evan Mobley, like those guys still have some immaturity to them, right? Like they still have that yeah. sort of like youthful innocence, if you will. But Kate is like just, you know, that guy looks like he's the CEO of the NBA when you talk to him. His interviews well, are great. I want to so ask poised. you about that. Forget the odds. Because there was like some immediate overreaction, you know, it feels like that's going to be a rivalry now, Cade versus Jalen Green. Do you think? Do you think so? I mean, I hear a lot of talk. Like Jalen came out really hot. There was some talk. Cade is, you know, a little shorter than people thought. I think he was listed at six eight in college. Yeah, he's probably not that tall. And you know, he's not super athletic. But then he had a really hot seven three game. So like, did that change? You know, I can't take a lot from summer league. Can't take hardly anything from summer league, but did that change your mind on those two guys at all? No, not really. I mean, I was I was more impressed. I, I thought Jalen Green would be much more like volumey than he was. Like he he made shots at a high level. Cade, I think, is you just get what you're you get what's advertised. He's going to be a really good player. I I think with Cade, the biggest thing is like for me more than anything is going to be does he distribute at a high level? Because I I just don't think like the athleticism for him is just never going to be there. It's not. You know, if he's Tobias Harris and he's just a straight line driver, like that's great. But he he can be he can't be Jimmy Butler in, in the sense of what Jimmy does. But Jimmy Butler is a better playmaker at the wing spot than, you know, you would assume from his like athleticism and his shiftiness. Right. Like he gets guys involved. He keeps the ball moving, even though he can't shoot. And even though he's not like an elite, elite athlete anymore. I think Cade needs to be able to do that to take the next step. I, I think the shooting is is pretty real. Like he makes tough shots. He, he makes open shots. But I just think that, like, the, for the longest times, and we've been told that, like, Cade Cunningham is like a point guard. And, you know, he averaged, like, three and a half turnovers in college and, like, three assists a game. Like, I just don't – I don't see it. So, for me, I didn't see enough of him as a playmaker in summer league to make me think that his ceiling is, is drastically different. But, again, he played – you know, he played seven – he played three games. So, I don't want to take a lot away. Jalen Green, though, that guy looks different from yeah. an athletic standpoint. And I think those types of guys, when you watch them, the other guy that I thought, you know, I've been very down on Davion Mitchell, but like he, he looks very different in terms of how he guards players. And I think when you see guys like that, they just sort of like jump off the screen to you. And that makes me excited. I think about Jalen Green that. Well, it know, scares you, me a little bit to Houston because you said like, uh, you know, young guys, young guys fill the roster with young guys. Is Houston the best situation? We tend not to think that matters as much as it does in the NFL maybe, but you have a very young team that's going to tank. You know, the vets are like Kevin Porter and Christian Wood. They're not like the most like reliable. Those are those not good vets? Are those bad vets? <laughs> and, and do they need something? Uh, I mean, in the coaching, you know, I think Silas is okay, but like he's not like an established coach. Yeah, but we also, do you really want, like, do you really want Stan Van Gundy there with like a team of just yeah. all rookies? You know, I, I think. They have a few. I'm looking at the roster right now. They still have Eric Gordon. They said they signed Daniel Tice for something. I would assume Eric Gordon is not going to be there, would be my guess. I think that's another move. I I don't know. You know what? I think an opportunity where Jalen Green and Josh Christopher and Alperin Sangin are all able to fail and and figure out a way to to get better and figure out a way to win, I think is a good situation. I don't, you know, I can't say for a fact that I think like this is the new Clippers of the early 2000s where you just throw these dynamic guys in and there's just no structure. I, I, I doubt it. It doesn't, the NBA doesn't really operate that way anymore. I think Houston, you know, I've been negative about Tomer Furtado, but I think, you know, for a long time, Houston was operated and run well. And yes. so I, I wouldn't expect Houston to just all of a sudden, because Maury's not there anymore, just like go and tank. Right. I, I wouldn't expect that. So from an operation standpoint. So I, I think it's a good spot for Jalen Green. I think it'll be interesting to see 
if like one of their rookies is better than him, how that, how he handles that, right? Like if Sangin comes in and he's really is, you know, Kevin Pelton's guy and he's like the next Jokic, you know, how does that affect Jalen Green? Because as of right now, like he's the number two pick in the draft. He's got this like electric smile. He's a huge playmaker. You know, how does he handle it if he's not the best player? And all of a sudden Houston starts shifting some of their like marketing resources away from him. Because right now, you know, Zane, like he's going to be, yeah, he's the guy. And I think that's good for him and sort of like building the sort of swagger or sustaining it. Because, like, yeah, like the other pick, he almost went to Cleveland, let's say, if he went one pick lower. And then I, that would have been a weird situation because they have Garland the other and Sexton, guards. Yeah. who like to score. Um, can, I just so, throw, can I just throw something out to you real quick, by the way, yeah. about this rookie class? So Cade Cunningham averaged 18.7 points a game in Summer League. Chris Duarte, 18.3 points a game in Summer League. Shot better from two. Uh, shot just worse from three. That's disappointing to see. But, you know, basically Chris Duarte and Cade Cunningham, about the same players. So it's good money on Bovada if you want to if you want to take it. Same. I just want to throw that out there. I actually well, found I think, Summer League. I agree stuff. that like Summer League is sort of like if you do well, it doesn't mean much. If you struggle a lot, maybe it's a warning sign. Yeah, I agree with that. I was I was thinking like so Sam Bassini from The Athletic wrote an article. I believe it came out uh, Monday morning about like the too good for Summer League All-Stars. And there's always players who show up and they're just they're just way better than Summer League, and he has some guys on there like Peyton Pritchard had an awesome summer league. Yeah. Emmanuel Clickley was was really good. Tyrese Maxey was awesome. But he has Obi Toppin on there on this first team, and Obi Toppin had a really good summer league. But for a guy like Obi Toppin, you know, summer league is a great setting for him. He can like be a run and jump athlete. He gets the ball more. Like he's able to kind of be a pick and pop big. And like it just doesn't matter what he does in summer league because he's not going to play like that for the Knicks. Well, and I so, think that's also notable that Peyton Pritchard. And Obi Toppin are both 23. Like they're, they're older. older yeah, rookies. That's exactly anyway. right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and so I would caution anyone from getting like really excited about, especially second year and older players, like you said, like guys who are juniors and seniors who are now in their second year, they've played in the NBA for a year, getting in, insanely excited. Cause it's like, although I do like Pey- Peyton Pritchard, <laughs> you, know, he's, I mean, he's, you know, he's good. He's better than we thought yeah. for sure. Yeah. But, I you mean, know, he had a pretty good rookie year too. I mean, in limited minutes. But that's why you'd expect him to like, be pretty good in summer league, right? Because the game is so much slower for him. The one thing about summer league is that it's really fast for rookies because there's, you know, you, you get like 10 practices. If that you're not grinding away, watching film, you're not really like learning to guard. You're sort of just learning the offense that like as a rookie, you're going to play in the NBA. And because there's so many guys that are not NBA players and aren't even going to be training camp guys, like, I think it's really hard to take a ton of information away from summer league. That, that's Can what you- I think. Well, can you, you don't want to go like hot takey because I was going to ask you who in this class is going to be of the top guys. And I'll give you the list. Cade, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. Like they're all playing at the same time. All the quarterbacks. You're like, who do you think is going to bust if you had to pick one? We count, are we counting NFL quarterbacks? Yeah, why not? Time? Throw them in there. Yeah. I mean, I just would pick Zach Wilson to be a bust, but I don't know. I mean, he has like the look of a bust, but we'll he's see. also like small and like, you know, that doesn't matter as much anymore. But anyway, from a, from an NBA standpoint, Zach, Zach I, Wilson looks like not to divert the quarterback for the Jets. He looks like the guy cast to be the quarterback on like a teen show. <laughs> And you watch it and you're like, I don't buy this guy. As I, the hate this, I hate you know? this guy. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't even buy that. He's the high school quarterback on the CW show. So now you're telling me he's the star quarterback for the jets. I mean, maybe. I think, I think from an, from an NBA standpoint, the guy that was most, I think concerning and, and I'll, I'll tell you why not to be concerned, but Evan Mobley, I think his, his performance was a little bit concerning because 
you know, he just looked soft, right? He looked like, you know, not big enough to compete, like not ready. And so I had a couple of guys text me and be like, Evan Mo was really soft. Like you're, you're, you were wrong about him. And the one thing I will say is he's always kind of had that knock on him that like he's right. soft and then he always sort of figures it out. Right. Like in AAU for the longest time, it's like, why is Evan Mobley ranked so high, he's super skilled. And he just beats everybody by the end of the time. And I think his basketball IQ is high enough that he figures out what he needs to do. So I wouldn't, well, do you think he's like a, you know, Anthony Davis, Kevin Garnett type in the sense that like they don't like playing center center you know it's possible it's it's certainly possible and I mean you know I think Kevin Garnett and, and I would never hang this comparison on anybody because the biggest difference between Kevin Garnett and everybody who's not him is that you know the motor is is unmatched but from a skill set standpoint you know he's the guy that I can see him being more like making like long twos like pick and pop a ton protecting the rim getting a ton of rebounds like being able to like keep an offense going being a much better passer than people give you credit for like, I think he's much more that than he is like Tim Duncan work you over on the block, work you over at the elbow. And then even Anthony Davis, like who. Right. And, and like, wouldn't Kevin Garnett, he was, you know, seven feet, six eleven. He didn't play center for until like no. the last couple of years, even like, even, even like he wanted even in to Boston, be, he wanted yeah. Kendrick Perkins. He wanted Kendrick know? Perkins. Yeah, exactly. And he, you know, he was the same thing as he had the same Durant thing, right. Where he just didn't want to be listed as seven feet. And I don't know why, but it's because like, you just don't want to be a five man. And, you know, I think Evan Mobley is very clearly going to be a five, but I just think like his skill set is, it's going to take him a little bit to figure it out because like, I, I think we just always forget that it takes young big men a little while to figure out the NBA. Cause you know, you're not the biggest anymore. You're not the most agile. Like there's guys that are way stronger, but also you've never really guarded the way that NBA teams do. And as we've seen defenses shift to what they are now, I think it's going to be a year or two with Evan Mobley. I, I, I like him better than Wiseman because I think he switches better. I think he's able to guard the perimeter better. And I also think like we've seen much more evidence of a high basketball IQ from Evan Mobley than we have from Wiseman. And so I don't necessarily think it's going to take so long, but like Rudy Gobert took like five years to become the defender that he is today. And so I'm not saying that's going to be Evan Mobley, but I, I would caution guys being worried about Evan Mobley in, in three games or four games. Right. The, the guy that I... Well, you know what I was going to say too? Like I was writing about Cleveland actually. It's like, let's say he's Anthony Davis. Let's say he's Chris Bosh. Those guys were not huge volume guys as rookies. They actually averaged no, like yeah. 13 and seven or something like that. Both of them. So maybe that's him as a rookie. Yeah. And I think if he gives you, if he gives you like very reasonable, you know, minutes as a rookie, like as your sixth or seventh man, I think that's pretty good. They re-signed Jared Allen anyway. So it's you know, like interesting. Need- I, I went down a rabbit hole with basketball reference. Cause I'm like, how much did Kevin Garnett play center? And even in the last couple of years, he didn't really play center. Um, 85% at power forward, according to basketball reference, the one year he played center significantly was they had let Kendrick Perkins go and um, they did not play well. They were 41 and 40. It was like the end of the run. And they next year they traded their guys. They traded Paul Pierce and they traded Kevin Garnett. And it, they like hit a wall, like in a shockingly fast fashion. But I looking at basketball reference, I didn't realize Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett at the time were 35 and 36. I yeah, thought they well, were younger. No. So older. we should have seen that coming a little bit more. I mean, when P, when they made that trade with Brooklyn, everyone was like, what are you guys doing? Like these guys, and, and they still had some in the tank. But getting back to your question, who would I be concerned about? You know, the guy that I saw some warning signs from, I think, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to protect anybody to be a bust or anything like that. I just don't, I don't think that's a reasonable expectation, but like 
I don't know how Jonathan Kaminga is going to score right now. Like he's big and strong and he's a really good athlete, but like he, he's just not a shot maker at this point in time. And I just don't think at least this year. Right. And this goes back to what you kind of were saying last week. Like if you're the Warriors, you want to make a deal, like you should deal Kaminga and Wiseman now before you, you see it happen. But he's the guy that I think we could be talking about next summer and be like, oof, Kaminga, like this really didn't go well. And it's not even really his fault. Like it's just the Warriors are ready to win now. And I don't know. I don't know how he's ready to contribute to an NBA team if he can't be in a, a you know like a high level defender, and I just don't believe that that's you know what a lot of rookies have coming in right away. So I think Kaminga's the yeah, guy. And he just kind of plays a little you know out of his element. Like th- that was one well, of the yeah. biggest biggest overreactions I saw on Reddit was Kaminga looks great. He looks athletic. I think he he's, they should start him over Wiggins. I'm like Wiggins no, is pretty not. good. He, he, you that, know, that, and, and that would be like again like. You know, everyone gets excited about summer league. The most incredible thing is how much everybody loves to talk about LiAngelo Ball. It's like amazing, yeah, right? And he yeah. actually acquitted himself quite well. I thought better than I expected. But I just think like a guy like Kaminga, he's so used to being bigger and stronger than everybody else at the guard spot. I'm like that's just not going to be the case. Like you're not going to get into practice and just be able to do this stuff to Draymond Green, you know. And so I thought in summer league he was very much more. He was he was much he struggled much more as like a two point scorer than I thought he would and I think like that's that's a little bit of a warning sign for me he's got to figure out how to like become a finisher at the rim and I just think like with Patrick Williams I thought he struggled to score at the rim but he really shot the ball well and like for Kaminga I don't really see that for him this year he, he needs to become a better three point shooter if he's ever really going to like take his skill set inside the arc and again it's you know, I know he played four of... games so I don't want to like go crazy but. This is the kind of hot assistant coach news that you like and no one else does. But the Warriors brought in Kenny Atkinson. Did you see that? Um, from the Clippers to be like their player development assistant coach and kind of like run their offense, respark it. So like that is a good coach to have like drawing out Wiseman and Kaminga if he can get something out of them. I, mean, I don't know why he's not a head coach, but. I mean, Gold State, and, and we've kind of kicked back and forth like what we're going to talk about today, but like from like Golden State is one of the most interesting teams. Like, I think there's three really interesting teams to talk about in the West right now. And I think it's Golden State. I think it's Portland. And then I think it's Clippers because all three of those teams at full strength, we would expect to be very good, maybe even fringy title contenders for Portland, but definitely title contenders in Golden State and LA. But each one of them has like some, some pretty big question marks. And for Golden State, like if one of their young players, if like Wiseman or Kaminga or Moody is like ready to be an NBA level starter and contributor that you can play in the playoffs, it, it to me, it automatically means that like with Steph Curry and with Draymond and like probably a healthy Clay Thompson at some point to start the season, like they're definitely a title contender. But if none of their young guys are ready to go and like Jordan Poole is still like, you know, not a great player, then like they're just not as good as people think, despite how good Steph Curry is. So they, they really need one of those guys. And I just, I don't see it, Zan, personally. I like the Kenny Atkinson thing. I like the, like, looking for the future. But for me, Golden State really kind of has to make a decision, like, are we competing for a title in the next two or three years? Or are we kicking it down the road and, like, letting Steph play out the twilight of his career right. as, like, hey, I just like, don't you're an MVP candidate. But if you, if you just sign Steph Curry to whatever, $50 million a year, yeah. I don't think the option of rebuilding is an option. You it's know, not, like right? you just you just have to go squeeze out as many wins of this like lingering title contention window as you have. Even and if so, even if it's like winning, you know, going to the second round, it's still you know worth kind of extending as much as you can. Because we don't know how Draymond Green will age either. You know, he he certainly was tremendous defensively last season, but 
the chances that he's ever going to be a difference maker as a scorer seem very minimal, right? I, I would say like less than 5%. He's just not going to be a 12 to 15 point per game score anymore. It's not who he is. So to me, like they, they probably need that second guy, right? Like, I, I don't know. You can't really count on clay to be your second best player. He may, he may be, don't get me wrong. And like Draymond is never going to be your second best offensive player. And we've talked about this before, like Wiggins, who's not going to be part of their plans. I would imagine after this coming season, because of how much tax they're going to pay, you know, he's there for this year, but you, you probably want to be able to replace Wiggins and then have a slam dunk, like two a scoring option for the next three years of Steph's deal. Right. And that that's kind of where it's not going to be Moses Moody. I don't think like he just doesn't have that ceiling to me, but like it, maybe it is, it could be Kaminga. And so maybe you do slow play this year to see if somebody takes like a huge jump, but it doesn't seem like they have the guy in their rosters. And to me, at least, at well, least I think, I think they're going to look at, you know, I, the Lillard thing doesn't make sense. Bradley Beal would make sense. I just don't, I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Washington is going to do it. I think Washington's like, Hey, we had a good off season. I just don't know that he's doable. You know what I would look at? Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a lot obsessed because I had the page open. If Chris you Duarte? Make, if, no, if you want to make easy money, Steph Curry, most threes per game. You could bet that. You could what's, bet on a lot of guys, including... What's that you know, odds for Steph Curry? You could bet on De'Aaron Fox, even, who doesn't <laughs> shoot threes that well. Um, Steph Curry's, unfortunately, minus 170. So there's not a lot of upside there for a season-long bet. But you can bo- bet him for points per game plus 600 kind of interesting that's pretty that's pretty good and then trey young 22 to 1 most to lead to lead the nba in scoring yeah Mm, that's pretty good too i wonder i wonder if like that's the play for golden state like if there's a big move that like you know everyone's like all right it's ben simmons it's brad beal but like i I just wonder if golden state is like you know what we just have a better (laughs) we have a better move to make for somebody that no one's thinking about because you kind of want the person you trade for to be lined up with Steph, right? So that's why Ben Simmons makes sense. But like, why would you, you can't have Draymond and Ben Simmons on the same team, right? That doesn't make sense. Well, I have a, this might be too much like math in your head. So this might be putting you on the spot, but I was thinking about how to rank teams and, you know, do you do it based on who's most likely to win regular season games or these sort of upside downside teams like Golden State? So I think, let me give you four teams in the West, right? Right after the you, Lakers. Did you come up with your own analytic to rank these teams? Or yeah, you just I want did. me to rank them? <laughs> no, I want you to rank them. Okay. In okay. terms of title odds, because your point, like like Utah, if you're just telling a regular season win total, and when we do our wins draft, Utah is really a high pick, right? They won 52 they, games last year. They'll They're, probably go one overall on the Western side of the wins draft, would be my guess. And... Phoenix, I think, same thing. They were number two last year. They're clearly proven that they could win 50-plus games. And then teams that I think are a little more upside, depending on injuries, but like Denver and Golden State, like you could tell me that like it all clicks and they're right back in the mix. Do they have more upside than like Utah, for example? So rank those teams in terms of just pure title odds. Utah, Phoenix, Denver, Golden State. I'm ranking them in the sense of like, this is just these, pure, these four like, teams out of a hundred or these four teams just in general in the entire league. Sorry. I'm saying, no, like what, if you had to say like, I think Utah has a 5% chance of winning the title. I think Golden State has a 10% chance. Right, of winning I think Utah has the best chance to win the title out of those four teams. Um, I can't keep 
I just won't keep relying on Chris Paul being like a second team all NBA player as he gets older and like injuries start to affect him more. I, I think as great as he was, I don't know. There's no reason to think that he's not going to be really good, but I think Utah to me, they made some deals that I, I, I liked a lot. I think Eric Paschal and it was a really pretty good signing. He can play small ball five, but he can also guard some wings for them. So I, I would expect Utah to again be like either the one or two seed. And they were one, they were the best team in the NBA for the majority of last season. And, Playoffs came, Donovan Mitchell got hurt. We, we kind of saw when he came back, some of the little like Donovan Mitchell iso ball is not so good anymore. Uh, I don't, they, they may be a team like Milwaukee where like when it finally clicks, it clicks, right? And the issue is they just don't have to be honest, right? Donovan Mitchell's just not that good. But I would say that I think Utah has like somewhere between a five and a 10% chance. Like I, I'd say like, all right, I'll give Utah like an 8% chance. Yeah, that's solid. I think Denver... I think they're getting left. Murray back at some point. Probably. We don't know when, and we don't know how, how ready he's going to be. Michael Porter may take another jump. I would say, I would say that to me, Michael I think Porter th- is the favorite on Bovada for most improves plus six fifty. Yeah. That I seems don't see like, that. I don't see that personally, but he's already very good. Right. Yeah. Um, I would say to me, it just in, in order, Utah, Utah, Denver, Golden State, Phoenix to me. And I think that the Phoenix didn't really address some of the issues like, you know, your boy, uh, what's my man's name from Maryland, Jalen Smith, had like a pretty good summer league. Yeah, like, he had a pretty good game. But like, again, they just, you know, they, they didn't really do a whole lot, right? So they're running it back to the team that's older and maybe Devin Booker takes a big jump. Maybe DeAndre Ayton takes a big jump, although it kind of seems like we saw the jump from DeAndre Ayton and they just kind of weren't good enough and they, they, they benefited they beat the teams that they played, but they benefited from a watered down West for sure. And injuries in the West. So I, I think Phoenix to me has like a 2% chance to win the title. I, yeah, I would right. be they very beat the Lakers and injured Lakers. They beat the injured Clippers. I don't think there was any way they beat the Lakers. If the Lakers were fully healthy, I just don't see it. They did. They beat them, right? They beat who was in front of them. And that's totally fine. But, and they swept Denver, but Denver was also injured. They had Jamal. Right. And I don't think Denver, like to me, it, it should probably be like Denver has a five percent chance, and then Golden State and Phoenix have like a two or three percent chance because it's just it, there's there's too many liberties. I think you have to take to assume that Golden State's going to be full strength. It's just Clay Thompson's coming off a torn ACL and then a torn Achilles in a two year span. I love all the Instagram videos of him. I love seeing him hang out with his dogs. He's he's super laid back. He's so fun to watch. But like, how can we ever think that Clay Thompson is going to have the same? level of like athleticism that he had before, right. Where he was also a really good defender. You know, I, I would expect him to be able to make jump shots right away, Zan, but like, how, how do we know that he can get open in transition? Like, how do we know that that level of volume shooting is going to be there from him? And I just, it's really hard for me to see golden state as a legitimate title contender. If we don't get, you know, third team, all NBA Clay Thompson back. And I, I just, I can't imagine betting on that guy. Right. And then who knows if Jamal Murray even plays next year. So seems pretty hard to like bet on Denver. So I think you're right. Like those teams are all like the similar tier, I would say in terms of like, maybe if they catch some breaks, they can win a few rounds. But also I think we would both agree too. like Jokic and Steph Curry are far and away the two best players on like, you know, those guys are way better than Chris Paul. They're, they're a substantial amount better than Devin Booker. They're better than Donovan Mitchell, right? Like those guys are capable of dragging teams to really good regular seasons because of how good they are. Yes. And well, I mean, if it's sort of like the you know, people doubting Jokic, MVP Jokic, in the same way people doubted MVP Giannis. So, like, maybe he just proves that he's like, you know, one of the best players. And it feels like, though, when we talk about the MVP for a second, like, 
So Obavada, Luca's the favorite. I believe he's plus 400. This is the second year in a row. And, you know, he was the favorite going into last year, like I said. And everyone was kind of like, how does he not win? And he ended up putting up a, a very similar season. I actually think he was a bit more efficient last year. I don't have his stats in front of me, but. Yeah, I, I looked at it. It was very similar overall. Right. But at some point, like, he's just going to win because, like, that's what happens, right? Like, you just you just hear, like, oh, Luca's got to win at some point. And then he just wins, right? Because his team wins more games. Like, if, if they won the West last year, he would have won MVP, right? Like, yeah, you know. as long as they're in the top three, I think he'll win MVP. And it's so, just like, I don't know if they're going to get there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they made some interesting decisions for sure. Eventually it'll happen. Like in the next five years, just like, do, you do, know, do they'll we eventually think, get there. Do we think Goran Dragic makes Dallas a whole lot better, by the way? Like that that's like yeah, everyone's talking about that. Like they're going <laughs> to sign Dragic and it's going to be great. It's going to be like the Euro All-Stars. Well, it's like, sort of like, not to hate on Luka, but it's like, same thing I see with LeBron where it's like, or Harden on Houston. It's like you build every possession around one guy. Yeah. And you build every supporting cast just to tailor to hit threes when he kicks it to you. And then you start complaining that no one else can do anything. It's like you built the team around one guy. We haven't you have seen, a one-man team. We haven't seen Luca. And honestly, like Luca and James Harden. Harden, you know, last year did that a little bit, but we haven't seen Luca like complain about like he always looks like in disgust, right? He's one of those guys yeah. that just like he just looks like he's in a bad mood all the time, which is kind of interesting because, you know, I, you know, we've heard some rumblings that like guys don't like him and like Porzingis and him don't get along at all, but we haven't heard Luca like take his frustrations out to the media or anything like that. No. Like that hasn't happened yet. And and again, why would it? Like he is spectacular. He did the same thing in the Olympics with Slovenia that he basically does with Dallas. And then like you said, he kind of ran out of gas at the end, but you know, Seth Partnow did his like player tiers on the athletic and he had Luca in tier two a, which I thought was insane. Like he, he's, I don't understand how that's possible. And he only, I think he had like three guys in tier one a and three guys in tier one B and then two a was Luca, Joel and B and somebody else. It's just annoying to me when you're making up tiers that you have to do a and B like it's a right. tier one, two, three. But like his argument was that like, you know, Luca has faltered when it's mattered the most in the playoffs. And it's like, has he really faltered though? Like, are we really going to like pick fourth quarters when he goes like for like 40, 15 and 12 and they just lose like a, a close game to the Clippers? Like, does that really count? I just, especially because so like, like so he's four to one. I mean, that seems it's high. I wouldn't bet on it. A little high. I, I mean, think uh, guys, uh, guys I like, I mean, Giannis probably won't win again. He's not he's winning. Giannis win. is just done. Like nobody, he's not allowed to win anything anymore. Right. Like but what, how's some long shots for you? Harden 20 to one. If Durant gets hurt. You could see that, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, that's why I wouldn't bet on Durant because I just don't think he's gonna like he'll have some amazing moments, but like if Harden what, is healthy, his numbers what are about be really, really Paul George forty to one, Zion forty to one. Zion's an interesting one because like if he averages crazy numbers and the Pelicans are like decent, I don't think they're going to be decent. I think I think David Griffin's going to be on the on what's what are the odds for David Griffin to be collecting unemployment checks? <laughs> what about this Bradley Beal if the Wizards? No. Defy expectations, get into the top five, top six. No, you're not buying it. Some the of them, one like, that, the one that makes the most, crazy. The one that makes the most sense, I think, from a total long shot, and I don't actually even know what his odds are. I'm sure you have them in front of you, so you can tell me. I but do. like, like if somehow Atlanta is like wins 60 games next year, like Trey Young could right. easily win MVP because I think now everyone recognizes how good he is. I would expect Trey Young to make an All NBA team next year just based on his performance this past year. Well, yeah, I don't think you're allowed to. Um, What's it called? Parlay. But Trey Young, 18 to 1 for MVP and whatever it was for scoring title, like it's possible. 
Um, cause there's really no like other one on that team. The, the craziest ones, they have so many. Let me tell you some of the ones that you could bet on if you want to light money on fire. Uh, Campbell Walker, 400 to one. Definitely not doing that. Uh, Clint Capella. What's his MVP path? I don't know. You shouldn't even be like, if you want 500 to one, that's insane. Like guys like Tyrese Halliburton, who I like, but like 800 to one, like how, <laughs> how is he going to win MVP or Aaron Gordon? Who's good. But like the fourth guy, I mean, how's he going to win MVP? Those guys are plus 100,000, though. (laughs) But one guy that I think is a little rude to even include, 500 to 1, Victor Oladipo, who I don't believe is playing. (laughs) You just have to do that. You just No, he signed a new deal with the Heat. But I thought he was injured. Isn't he going to be missing most of the year? I mean, there's some ones on here. John Wall, 300 to 1. That's your guy. I wouldn't bet on that either. But, like, even – I was really hoping they had, like, some totally out-of-pocket one on here. Like, I was really hoping they had, like, Carmelo Anthony on here. You know, That would be a good bet. They do I mean, have Russell Westbrook like pretty high. Yeah, it's that's 25 to, one. 25 to one is not happening. But I, I think that like, you know, the kind of like the long shotty ones that like, like Donovan Mitchell, I don't think so. But like Devin Booker, 16 to one, like it's possible. Jason, what about Tatum, Jason Tatum, 25, 25 to one. That makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, if the Bulls are really good, Zach Levine, 80 to one. Yeah, I can't see. Because the problem is like, if you're going to be that type of guy who's put up really good numbers, the only thing that you can really do is your team has to start winning games, right? Yeah. So like, like Jokic had two years of putting up like elite numbers and his team being good before it was like, oh my God, like we have to take this guy serious, right? And, he, and his numbers took an even more of a jump. So like, to me, you know, like maybe Tatum averages like 32, seven and seven. And like the Celtics are much better than people think. And that's how it happens. But like, I don't see it for like, you know, your DeMar DeRozans, your Brandon Ingrams, like those types of guys. Like it just, their, their teams are not going to be good enough, no matter how good their numbers well, are. You know, who, you know, who like stands out to me, not going to win. Anthony Davis, 25 to one. There's no pathway for this to happen, but it just shows it's kind of an insult anyway. The fact that Rudy Gobert is 400 to one behind like John Wall types. Like he should be a top 10 MVP guy. I mean, year <laughs> in, year out. there's like a pretty good argument that Rudy Gobert is one of the, I don't know yeah, that I'd I think I would have had him in the 10. top. I think I would have had him in the top 10 for sure. I would have voted him top 10 yeah. MVP. Last but yeah, year. he'll just never win because he can average 14 points a game. Yeah, it's just not it's just not the way it works. Like maybe John Morant will get some real MVP love if like Memphis takes a big jump and like that could happen. Now speaking of which, we should probably talk about that Memphis trade, right? Like yeah, that's, yeah, for sure. All right, we'll get off our, you know, talking about the future. You get addicted. There's just so many bets that you get so like you try to find the value. And I'm sure you could if you really studied it. I mean, I think for you saying that, like, I think like Zion, Jason Tatum and Paul George, like 40 to one for Paul George and, and Zion and then 25 to one for Tatum. Like those are the three, because you you have to have a number of, you have to have like a certain amount of buzz as a player to begin with. Right. And so maybe Paul George isn't that way, but because of the way people are talking about the Clippers where they're just like totally seem to be forgotten. Right. Like they just, Kawhi's not playing. All right. The Clippers are done. Like, well, like, what if Paul George just averages like 30, 10, and six? Like, we've seen yeah. that happen before, too. Like, what well, if that's it happens why, like, and they win, the, you could they win bet. the West? You can, I wish you could bet like top five for MVP because, you know, he finished third before. So he, he could get back into that range. Yeah, I'd like to be able to bet like a collection of players, right? Yeah. Like, one of these guys will win the MVP because, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, like, ultimately, though, we're probably overthinking it and it'll be like yes. Luca Durant. I could see Embiid winning MVP if he's like, because he was yeah, close sure. this year. But let's so Clippers and the Clippers and the Grizzlies make a trade. So in to the Clippers, Eric Bledsoe traded for the second time in a month. Out for or in to Memphis, Rajon Rondo, Patrick Beverly, Daniel Oturu. Did I get that right? Am I missing anything? 
Um, I think it was those guys. And I think Rondo might get bought out. Which um, seems to make sense because, I mean, if you're not in the playoffs, like, you know, one, one day yeah. there'll be a 30 for 30 on, like, the bubble. And somebody will tell us how and why Rajon Rondo, like, existed as a good player and, like, what, what happened. Because, like, in literally in five years, man, he has one, like, one month period of, like, above average play. And it happened to come in the playoffs, in the bubble, playing with LeBron. It's like, what is going on here? Like, he was unplayable last year. He was unplayable two years ago. And then all of a sudden in the bubble, like, Rondo, he's great. But, yeah, he's getting bought out. So what do you think about this? Because I, I, I like it from the Clippers' point of view. Like, the, they save money on the tax. But I think the sort of demise of Eric Bledsoe has been exaggerated. I mean, he... You know, he was playing pretty well in Milwaukee. Obviously, he was disappointing in the playoffs, and obviously Drew Holiday's better. Um, but I think he was just in a bad situation last year. He went to New Orleans. He was playing, like, sort of off the ball. He's not a good shooter. Like, what's he going to do for the team if he's not, you know, standing around? And, and you know, and also when you, when you have a small guy like that, he's small relatively. You know, he's big. He's a big point guard, but he's he's a small wing, you know? And so he's not really doing as much defensively for for you. He's one of those guys I think is like a at this stage of his career is like one of the worst back. I mean, one of the worst starting point guards. But if you're telling me he's playing 25 minutes as a backup, I think he's one of the best backup cards in the league. Yeah, you probably cannot play him a bunch of minutes next to Reggie Jackson. But like, but it kind of reminds you of Reggie Jackson, right? Where it's like everyone thought he was written off for dead, and it's like, hey. If you play it's 25 minutes player. of Reddy Jackson, he's he's a solid player. So what does this do, though, for, like, honestly, like, Memphis and the Clippers are not that far apart if Kawhi's not going to play next year. Like, those are both teams fighting for, you know, a, probably a lower seed in the Western Conference playoffs. I would say the Clippers are a little bit better, but, you know, Memphis doesn't have a use for Rondo. You probably need – you don't really want to play Beverly next to John Morant a ton, yeah. but he's a pretty good backup point guard. But also, like, it feels like we're a year removed from Beverly being, like, a positive right. impact like, and, on a team. Like everyone said the Clippers needed a point guard, and, and Beverly, like, wasn't able to give them he, consistent Yeah, he couldn't play point guard. Like, they had to play small around, like, a lot of wings with, like, Reggie Jackson as their nominal point guard or Kawhi and Paul George being the distributor. Because when they traded for Rondo last year – I got into that trap of like, hey, they got Rondo who can play point guard in the playoffs because he's playoff Rondo and he couldn't do that. So Eric Bledsoe definitely can do that. Whether or not he's playable from an offensive standpoint in the playoffs, I think remains to be seen. But I I agree with you that the Clippers definitely upgraded from a talent standpoint here. Like Daniel Oturu, maybe you got something there, but they they don't have time to mess with like player development at this point, right? Like he doesn't make any sense for them. But like they weren't going to play Rondo, and then it, it seemed like Beverly's time in LA was up. So getting a guy like Bledsoe, even though his contract is is annoying to say the least, he's definitely playable. He can guard. He he gets to the rim. He's a very good finisher at the rim, and he's just not a great three point shooter. So I, I think that this gives them, like you said, more size, more switchability, and I think it'll be interesting to watch kind of how this plays out. But I, I think the Clippers got better. Whether it's yeah, like, and th- that's why. But at the same time, like how much better, and how much does it matter if you're not really contending? I think if Kawhi was healthy, I think this trade might have. I don't know. Would they have done this trade if he was healthy? I don't know. I don't know. Because you don't and, really need another ball dominant like 
six, four guard, right? Like, like the ideal point guard for this team would be like a prime Patrick Beverly or like a George Hill, who's just going to play defense and hit open threes. That's not really Beverly, but I think he's a good combo guard off the bench. If that's the role. I mean, Eric Bledsoe shot 34% from three last year on like a not insignificant number of attempts. Like he shot 355 threes last year. And so we kind of have a, like he's a 34% three-point shooter for his career. So it's not like he is the worst shooter in the world. The, the, the problem I think is like, you just don't get, you just don't get as much creation from him as you need. But I, I think this is the first like legitimate point guard that Clippers have had since Chris Paul. What do you think? Well, what about, I think Reggie Jackson is better. I mean, no one expected he's that. He's not really a point guard though. Like he's, yeah. to me, like Reggie Jackson is a combo. Like, whereas I think Eric Bledsoe is, I mean, actually, it speaks to how good the Clippers were the last couple of years roster wise. Yeah. Because they're going to make the playoffs, I think, without one of the top 10 players in the league, being, you know, on the side. I, I would assume that they're a playoff team, right? Like we, we'll do over unders in like a week or two. But I mean, I would assume if we look at the Clippers and this is why I was talking about them being interesting before is like they have like 10 it, guys who are decent, it, you know. Right. But I, I think it's. You probably cannot bet on this on Bovada, but if you could, I wish we would be there to take advantage of the money. But like, there's just no way Kawhi Leonard is playing this year, right? Like, I don't even, I don't know anything about it, but like, we've seen this story before, right? He just resigned a big deal. So he's going to be there for a couple of years. But like, Zan, like, he's not going to push himself to come back this year, right? It's not like he's going to get healthy. Now, if he's healthy in like the fall, because we don't really know what the deal is with his ACL surgery, right? We've never heard. Right. It was completely torn. We've always heard partially torn, but we don't know how the surgery went. So like for the yeah, Clippers, if it's partially, I mean, like it's less serious. Would you say it's less serious than an Achilles? Well, and I'm there's not, a lot of talk of Durant. It reminds you a lot of Durant, obviously when he got but, hurt, but, but Kawhi, we've seen him not play before, right? Like we've seen right. him like get cleared by a team and then just be like, I'm not ready to go. And so why would he risk it at all? I mean, I, I totally agree. If, but at the same time, if you're Kawhi, and you're like, hey, Paul George got us to the fifth seed. I don't have to play the regular season. If if he actually feels ready to go, like, hey, free trip to the playoffs. Let's let's roll. And I, I think a hard was, time. I, just have a I hard don't time see it either. I mean, he's going like, to do that, and that's why I think they made this deal. Because, like you said, the Clippers are pretty deep, regardless. Like they have good players without Kawhi Leonard. They yeah, don't have. I mean, one the, of the best five players in the league or ten players in the league. But and it, and I hope it, it doesn't. Their fate is not that like this experiment failed because like they put together their, their front office at least well it's not going to fail right because Kawhi and paul george are definitely there for three more years no but i guess Kawhi win a title years, there's but... a chance they don't win a title there's a chance they don't make the finals but like it was a huge gamble i think they put together top three roster their last couple of years at least yeah last year was unlucky they, they, i don't know that they would have won the title i don't even know that they would have beat phoenix but I, I think that like with healthy Kawhi. Right. They were really, really good. They, they had kind of figured out how to play. They, they were getting contributions from a lot of people. They were able to be much more malleable in how they played. And so I, I don't know that, like, I don't know the roster works as perfectly as everybody thinks, but I think, like, they were very clearly one of the best teams in the NBA. If, you know, one and of the that, best. But that's why, teams. like, I really like, even if it doesn't work out in terms of the title, like, they were like a middling team and they were, like, you know, happy to be the eighth seed. And yeah. they took a massive risk to be a title contender and like they put the pieces together. And I think they deserve credit for that, even if it, you know, even if Kawhi gets hurt, even if the picks turn out to be valuable. Um, well, so why yeah. not? So Ty Lu plus Ty Lu 20 to one to win coach of the year on Bovada as we speak. See, that one seems like good value because like if the Clippers somehow get like the two seat, 
he's definitely winning coach of the year. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do more research because a couple others I like. I saw coach of the year too. Monty Williams probably gets like votes from this past year. It seems a little you ridiculous. usually want to turn around like Chris Finch. I don't know if Minnesota has the talent, but 40 to one Wes Unsell. No, Chris, Finch to is, one. Chris Finch is a good one. If like one of those teams becomes a playoff team, Wes Unsell will right. be a little bit tougher. Like Ime, if Boston's good, like, the like yeah, you want machine. that like sort of jolt up 20 point 20 places. In the yeah. Game. The guys that like you wouldn't like, right. Like doc rivers, you wouldn't like, there's a lot of regression potential there. Like Chauncey Billups, you don't really like Nick nurse. Maybe you, you would like as like a team of young guys, but what yeah. are the other ones that are good on here? All right. Anyway. So, but anyway, so Portland actually was the other team that I kind of wanted to talk about. Cause I'm curious, you know, we we've talked about their, decision-making and kind of how they, you know, they, they parade Chauncey Billups up there. They're kind of, they're taking shrapnel from like the press. Dame Lillard's like t- subtweeting them. Like, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but you know, Portland's in a very odd situation right now in the sense that they're kind of waiting, I think for Dame to tell them like, yes, I want to be here or no, I don't want to be here. Right. Do you get that sense? The same as I do. Like there's sort of an yeah, holding pattern, but that that's what I don't understand about the team. It's, Two things I was going to say about that. Um, it feels like Damian Lillard's waiting. Maybe he's waiting for the smoke to die out or whatever, you know, the heat to come off him from the whole coaching thing and just roll back, back to normal. But, or maybe he's waiting to see how the team's going. My fear from Portland's point of view is like, he's waiting till mid season to pull the trade demand. Like, you know, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis, and like may hurt their leverage. James Harden last year, like Houston was like panicked and, didn't know what to do and ended up trading him to a great situation in Brooklyn. I mean, is Damian Lillard like laying in wait for that moment? I'm not sure. Honestly, I, I really don't know. I think Dame is one of like the faces of the league. I think he's, he's really started to get his due as like this super popular player and, you know, he's playing in Portland, but I just don't, you know, this, this team just didn't do a whole lot. Right. Like they really, right. well, that's the other thing. Like if you don't think that's the case and you know, Dame's unhappy with the roster, you know, the roster's kind of peaked. Why are we talking about CJ McCollum trades right now? Like why not just, try something else? Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this in the past, like that they had, I mean, we've been talking about Portland for three years and trying to do something different, but you know, the, the, the issues with Dame, I shouldn't say the issues, but the reason that Dame is not Steph Curry or James Harden is because he he misses out on like two of the, like Steph is actually a pretty league average defender, right? Like he doesn't crush you with his defense. The steals and stuff are pretty good. And he's a decent creator. He's not great. And then with Harden, who's not a great defender, like he is truly elite at making other players better. Like you go play with James Harden, like you're going to get paid. Like James Harden made PJ Tucker a passable offensive player for years. Right. And, And we don't see Dame do that with his teammates. Dame is an unbelievable shooter unbelievable score but he is a bad defender and as far as point guards go like he isn't the type of guy that like you know he doesn't make Derek Jones good at basketball on offense right and so yeah. there are some major flaws in Dame's game and obviously like he makes up for a lot of them because there are I mean I don't know how many guys in the NBA other than like Durant that are on the same level as Dame in terms of like when they are going they are absolutely unstoppable right it's like Durant and him and Steph right those three guys but you can't just plug and play random dudes around Dame and be like, Hey, this guy's going to get him to fill out their potential. And so there, there are some issues with Dame as a, you know, cornerstone piece, right? Well, and see, I don't totally agree with that. I would just say like, Hey, he's somewhat limited. Everyone's basically somewhat limited. If you're right. not like the top three guys, definitely true. 
And he just needs like, and I think he's fine to just have a, not even like an all-star next to him. He needs like some second piece that well, just CJ fits better. Very good, right? No, but so, I'm so, saying he's also small. He's also bad at defense. Well, so let it's me just, ask you this. There, there is a, I can't remember where I read this. So like, man, I'm upset that I can't remember now, but the Trailblazers starting lineup after they traded for Norm Powell was like the second best starting lineup in the NBA after I think the Sixers, yeah. I, I believe. And maybe, maybe, the, maybe full strength like the Nets, but there was only like a couple games of all of those guys playing. But like, so Lillard, McCollum, Norman Powell, Covington, and Nurkic was a really, really good starting five. Sure. And they added Tony Snell to plus my, the, the, that's our guy. shooting superstar. That's yeah. our guy, baby. Tony Snell. Miss. Did you know he hasn't, he hasn't like missed a free throw since 2019 or something? I don't understand Tony Snell. It's like, if you shoot like 45% from three, it's like, you know, take a few more shots, buddy. Go Wait, so they, so they signed Snell, they signed Ben McLemore. So those are two, you know, guys who have proven they can make shots at the NBA level. They also signed Cody Zeller, who, if he's healthy, is a pretty good backup yeah. big, right? But for Portland, like, unless like Simmons, Anthony, Anthony Simons or like Nasir Little is going to like take a big jump, doesn't seem super likely, or like Derek Jones is going to like remember how to play offense, that doesn't seem, you know, incredibly likely either. It really seems like Portland's like, all right, we have this awesome starting five. That's what we're going to do. We're going to roll with them. And then we're going to hope that like we get some shooting from like Tony Snow. We get some shooting from McLemore, like Cody Zeller becomes playable. And like, that's kind of it, right? Like they don't really have anything else going on. Well, you know and what so- I think that their logic is, which actually is not a bad logic. Their offense is really good. Their defense is really bad again. Correct. Yeah. And this is a stat. This is true. I looked it up. Um, the Carmelo Anthony. It's not there anymore. And, and he's Canter. Canter. Yeah. Those two guys, they were they horrific. starters. They played the third and fourth most minutes on the team total. So like that was a big chunk of the rotation of guys who are just not good defensively. Right. So and they were just like good tweaking. Enough. Right. They weren't probably good enough offensively to overcome that. Right. And so now their second unit is thin. Right. But we're going to see, you know, it, it's going to be time now for Anthony Simons to play, right? He's got to be right. your backup. They need that guard. guy. Or if you, you know, if you stagger him and just play CJ, you still need like another guard, you know? Or yeah, somebody. I think I think they're one piece away again from being like a legitimate title contender, but I don't know how to get it. I I I, I realize how bad this analysis is. So you're gonna like we're gonna stop recording. But like, like yeah, how good analysis. of a player? Like, do you think like you're talking about like? an Aaron Gordon quality player or like yeah, a Kevin type. Durant kind of player. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty confident that they could get Kevin Durant for free. They would win the NBA title. I think that that's a, a real possibility. Is it, I mean, what about, we always try to force it, try to make it happen. Is Kevin Love. Yeah. Anything? I think like, I don't know what Kevin Love has in the tank, but like if you could, and, and you know, maybe Derek Jones has a better year this year. I, and the one thing I will say, like Scott Brooks is their lead assistant. I think he is so good at player development. He's so good at like, somehow i'm not sure how because his teams just like do the dumbest things on the court but like he's very good at he's a great culture guy super positive dude like i think there's a chance we could see some somebody on their bench and some of their young guys like take a bigger leap than like we expect right i think that chance exists but like you probably have to trade Derek jones you're paying 10 million dollars a year to try to take back a good player right and there just doesn't seem to be a lot of those guys out there like honestly like Dennis Schroeder actually like made some sense for them because like you need another scorer, even though like he's not a great defender and he's like super annoying to have on your team, but like that type of guy makes sense. But instead, like every single time Portland needs a guy, it's like they add Rondé Hollis Jefferson and like that type of guy, like he, you don't want to be playing him. And so to me, like they need that like seventh or eighth man. That's a true like NBA, like fringe starter. 
otherwise well, like yeah well simon's in like nasir little hasn't given him anything like you're hoping nothing, those guys right? would like develop and do you know, i mean a starter okay so like do you think that like they go for i don't this is this is insane but like do you think they go for like jj reddick or somebody like that like do mm. you think i'm trying to like do you think they go for like mo wagner somebody like you know, well, what, you know just, josh i don't know the salaries won't work josh, josh hart, hart would be solid for them he's restricted though they don't really have any money it's hard. It's hard to have like any confidence in Aaron Baines after after yeah. the season he put up last year. But like he's I think a guy. he has like neck problems too. Yeah. Um, but it's like we always hear this. Like you know, is it like is it Wes Matthews? Is it like Patrick Patterson? Like those guys have just not been different makers for a while, and so it well, doesn't appear yeah. that it's going to happen. Well, I think it shows you that like unless you have a super team in this modern NBA, unless you have Duran and Harden or whatever, you have to like nail every part of the roster you have to like be like toronto like a few years ago like one through nine were really good um or you know four through nine were really good like and and portland just continually like bungles that yeah i wonder if i wonder if the guys avery bradley personally like and i don't think he's like pushes them over the top you know he's had some trouble over the last couple years but like they really need a defender you could play him credibly with dame and with cj mccollum like, like, even if you make all these little tweaks that you like, like, how good is this team? Are they like the four I seed? I mean, we've seen like peak Dame too, right? The last like yeah. two years, and they they just haven't been good enough. I mean, they they made the what they made the conference finals two years ago, so like or three. But years Would you ago? agree? Yeah, like, from Damian Lillard is a little stuck. He he's under a long term contract, and like, if you get traded, that team's losing a lot to get you. So I just don't as, think. Aside from the Lakers, is there another situation that he could go to that would like? be marketably better markedly better i mean philly philly boston yeah but they, those, those i don't think the don't... knicks are that though the knicks would be way better with dame but like, no they... i mean that but would they they'd have to give up a lot and so would that knicks team oh, be portland is getting if, if portland trades damian lillard they are 100 going to be worse for the next several years than they would be with damian lillard right there's nobody that makes sense from a like even if you trade I'll, I'll do you one better. Like if you trade CJ McCollum and pieces for Ben Simmons, I still think Portland will be worse. Like I understand trading for Ben right. Simmons and, and building your team in the future around him. But like, I would really probably only be trading for Ben Simmons if I was going to rebuild around him rather than like, cause I just don't think that like, like Dame, CJ, Dame, Ben Simmons and like Norman Powell, like it's probably not quite good enough. Right. Like it just doesn't. But like say best case scenario, Daryl Morey, you trade Ben Simmons and whatever Tybal and whatever it takes max yeah, what do you get like to get well let's say you get lillard like do you literally think lillard and Embiid could win the title again? yes absolutely i do i mean you know anybody like uh, what do we talk about like good title odds like do they have a five percent chance to win the title or a ten percent chance like absolutely i think they would be in that mix yeah like, I, I think they'd be even better like, yeah but like, what about mccollum think, like you because you Ma- think mccollum's probably a better fit than simmons right now you, am i saying mccollum and dame no, McCollum and Embiid together. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Personally, I just don't like. I, Dame is just you know there there are few guys in the NBA that can score like him, and like as good as CJ is, and I think there's always moments where you watch Portland, you're like, man, McCollum's really good, but like you just don't see that on a game to game basis, right? Like you don't see him dominate the way that you you watch Dame do it, and like I mean, how many duos in the NBA would would really be better than Dame and Embiid, like? You'd have AD and LeBron, right, right, which is still right up there. You have pick two of, you know, Durant and either of the, you know, two, other two, Durant and Harden or Durant and Kyrie. Those are up there. And then is that it? There's nobody else that's, that's that good. No. So I don't know. I, I think that like Portland 
is stuck. And I think they know they're stuck. And I think yeah. that Portland's going to gamble that their starting five is going to be good enough. And the problem is the team is so thin and they just, every year they have, <laughs> they have an injury that screws them over. So like, I just right. And be... like, you know, they did, they've been resisting that urge to kind of blow it up for years and it kind of worked. Remember they went to the conference finals. I mean, they've been a very good NBA team. They've had a very good coach. They've had one of the best players in the NBA. They have definitely downgraded a coach. I don't, I don't want to like insult Chauncey Billups, but like, I think Terry Stotts is a really good coach and they've fired him because it was time to make a change. But I think we can both agree that like Terry Stotts is better than Chauncey Billups for this specific team this year, right? It's going to take a minute for Chauncey to figure out, you know, the best way for him to run an organization. Why yeah. is Neil, why is Neil? I would, Olshay, I would like, need to know, know what Terry Scott's college party are like though. Would you rather, uh, you, I mean, real, I'm thinking he's so old. Maybe he was like in college in like the sixties. <laughs> All right. Stop, stop real quick. So one last thing and we'll, we'll sign up. This is a little bit, of a funnier thing, but like, have you seen, so Mirren Fader wrote this book about Giannis, right. And kind of like his rise to being the guy that he is. And again, we've talked about this before. Like there, Giannis is an incredible story. There's no question about it, but within this book, Sam, there's all these like tidbits about Jason Kidd, like as yes, a coach. I was thinking exactly that. Yeah. And like the main, the main one, like there's a, there's a made up one about like how he loves water slides. And that's actually not true. Although it's very funny, but have you seen the one that like he got mad at Thon maker because Thon maker had an Android <laughs> and he was making, he was like allegedly made Thon maker run because when he would text the team group chats because of Thon maker, it would turn the bubbles green instead of blue. Do you think? And this- yeah, I mean, well, there's also non-funny stuff in there too. Oh, like there's Larry some bad Sanders stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I always said like this is maybe controversial. You can cut this if you want. No, oh, man, I can't wait to hear what it's going to be. No, I was going to say I, I tend to think that people are not like necessarily good, necessarily bad, and a lot of times you could be good at certain things and bad at certain things. Like you could be a great friend, which I think you are, and I maybe you're a horrible husband. Maybe you cheat on your wife all the time. Those two could be simultaneously that, is, be true. Is that why I'm going to have to cut it? No, is no, it? but I'm saying in general, like don't you think that's possible. You yeah, could correct. be great at one thing and, and bad at something else. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think you see that a lot where like, you know, Trevor Bauer, fantastic pitcher. Right. Not a great <laughs> pretty, guy. Pretty <laughs> bad person. From Swipe left on Tinder. If you see him. <laughs> um, but the, the thing I was going to say, somebody made this point online. And I tend to agree. Like, Jason Kidd apparently was a bad husband too. I don't and know about apparently. <laughs> apparently. And the, like the qualities he was showing as a coach in that book, at least like there seems to be a tie there. Like there's some sort of like psychological manipulation, egomaniac yeah. quality that he might just have across all aspects of his. That, that like, will make him life. a worse coach than you would expect. Right. From a guy like the, maybe there's something like guard. fundamentally like disturbed it, about him. But that, But that's where like, you know, Everyone's kind of like, oh, yeah, Jason Kidd. Is just, and we talked about this, like maybe him working with LeBron, like being in L.A., he kind of got to learn. Frank Vogel is a very good coach. Like it's a good guy to learn from. Kid didn't really have that runway to learn. He just automatically got a job. Right. And he was coaching Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. And then, he, you know, got a chance to coach Giannis. But like, I agree with you. Like I read the, you know, and there's excerpts. Like I'm excited to read this book all the way through, because like I said, I think Giannis is a fantastic story. You know, I have a little. I, we've talked about this before, but like I coached his brother when he first got here. So like, I know a little bit about like Thanasis, you know, from when he first got to America, but like, it just seems like Jason Kidd is a bad fit for Luca because at some point, like the rubber's going to meet the road. And like Jason Kidd doesn't seem like the type of guy that like wants to take. Right. You know, it's just hell, hard. To, if you will. It's hard to justify like the risk is because it's not like 
we're talking about, there's probably like 20 qualified assistant coaches you could pick. Like, why do you have to pick a douchebag? You know? and, and also it's so funny too. Cause like it's Mark Cuban. Who's like so outspoken about everything. And it was like, you know, obviously he played from in Dallas. They won a title. Like I'm sure there's a connection there. Obviously like Dirk is, is a big part of things that happen there. And it's like, if this is wrong, like we're going to know it's wrong right away. Whereas with like Chauncey Phillips, I think we're going to get an opportunity to, to you know, Chauncey's going to get a little while to try to figure it out. Right. Especially because, you know, you know, college parties aside, Chauncey Phillips is, is seems to be much more well-liked amongst like yeah, media. I mean, besides, yeah. That was like certainly a blip on the radar, but like he, people seem to like him a lot and support him. Um, do you think and, Ted, do you think Ted Lasso is the right guy to coach the Dallas Mavericks? I just started watching that. As you know, I'm warming up to it. We'll, we'll give a full recap next week. Maybe. No, no. Know. Well, only have season one. I'm going to wait. Season two is out now. Oh, you uh, haven't seen season two. But I have two. not. Are you on season two? Are you? No, no. I'm just episode two of season one. Okay. So I watched season one. We binged it and we're going to wait to binge season two. I, I thought oh, it was okay. great. It's, it's quite a concept. That would be, like, what would, can I ask you this? I've always been curious. Yeah, go ahead. As you were a coach who's your comp as a coach? Like, what was your attitude like? I was the, like if you had to, somebody I was, would the equipment, know. I was the equipment guy in Ted Lasso. Okay. There you go. Honestly, I, I don't, I didn't really have, I mean, I was never a head coach at, you know, I coached right. summer league. But if you like, were like groomed into that, like who is like, who's like a realistic template for you to have been in a world where you're oh, an incredibly successful coach. Uh, that's a good one. If I, if I, like, I, I want to say like, if I could be anybody, um, I don't know who am I? I, I probably am more like Steve Clifford. I would guess than anything else where like, I'm, I'm just going to be much more like technically I'm, I'm going to care much more about that. And I'm not going to be great with like the media. Right. Like I, I, you know, I'm just not a super outgoing guy when it comes to stuff like that. So like, I'm, I'm probably more along those lines where it's, it's like a good thing. You're in the media hosting a podcast yeah, behind this cool. behind the scenes. <laughs> like you just watch a lot of film and, and stuff. Like, I would imagine I'm, I'm closer to that than I am like a, but were you, know, you like Steve, an offensive guy, defensive guy, or just like oh, a guy? I, offensive uh, guy, offensive guy for sure. That was okay. always how I, I was much more of an offensive guy. And I'll tell you the other thing. I was much more of a, like, I would even, this, this is going to sound insane, but like, I did, I would go as far as to say, like, I, there were times when I was like, this doesn't matter defensively. Like, it doesn't matter what other teams do. As long as like we do what we're supposed to do. Like, I don't really care how teams guard it. Like it's, it, and that, what about player motivation? Like, were you a Ted Lasso optimistic. Yeah. You know, much more, much, guy. much more positive. I, I think that, that when you're not a, former, I, the way you're describing positive offense first, like sounds like you would get hired right now. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I wouldn't get hired because I wasn't a former player. And I think that guys would immediately think my credibility was bad, which it is. I can't believe we're having this conversation. But what I will say is that I think you want to build like trust with players and you want them to believe that you care about them, even if you don't, you know what I mean? But I, I think that was like the bigger thing is like, for me, I, understand that like I'm not that important and I think that's where like a lot of coaches and this is where the Jason Kidd thing I, I really wonder like at, cer- at a certain point unless you're Greg Popovich or unless you're like Mike Krzyzewski you have to understand you're just not that important like you are important in the grand scheme of things but the talent is what's actually important and unless you're like one of the greatest coaching talents you're always going to be replaceable because your players are going to be better and they're going to get paid more so like I just think that my thing is always like hey you're just you're part of the cog rather than the most important piece. And I think like where a lot of coaches fail is that they think they're more important and they, they go in and they're like, this is my program. This is what we do. They blah, 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 blah. And you, you have to understand that like, you, you can't do that anymore. Players are too powerful. Players are too important to the league. Like it doesn't work that way anymore.
you can do it in college if you win a lot of right. games, but it's even, it's harder in college too. Now, like you guys are getting fired for stuff like that. So, and you know, it know. sucks, you know, about the coaching DNA and you don't have this, obviously that's like the old school coaches and it would probably be more in college, but like, there's even like eighth grade football coaches who have that sort of attitude. You yeah. Know? It's, it's pathetic. Like my, my thing was always, I am just much more of a behind the scenes guy than anything else. That's why like when guys like, I won't, I won't throw like Nick nurse into this comparison. Cause he, he was a head coach, a lot of different places, but you, you happened to text me about Alex Jensen the other day, but I think guys like who've been assistants for a long time, like, you know, your emails, your Wes Unseld's Jamal Mosley's like, you know, Taylor Jenkins, like those guys, it's, it's fun to watch them get jobs because they haven't been like vagabond head coaches. Like they get an opportunity to kind of learn like, Hey, am I going to be a head coach? Cause some guys are just great assistants. That's just how it works. And, you know, and I'm not saying that, those guys aren't going to be successful. I think some will and some won't, but I think it's fun to watch guys who have really kind of paid their dues behind the scenes and been a huge part of what teams do get an opportunity to, to go in front of the camera. Cause it's a big, big difference when your seat changes from like in front of the bench to, you know, behind the bench to in front of the bench and a couple seats over like that stuff is, is really important. And uh, I think some guys find out that it's for them and other guys find out that, Hey, they'd rather just be a highly paid assistant for the rest of their lives. Cause they're just not cut out to manage a bunch of players and not cut out to deal with the media. You know, it's, it's a little bit better without the pressure. And so for me, I just was never going to be the type of guy I think that could ever kind of ascend to that big chair. I didn't have aspirations like that. I just loved coaching basketball and like being a part of the team, you know? And so that's where if I, I wish I could say I was like Ted Lasso, but I was probably more negative when we, when we lost, he manages to stay positive, even when his team just sucks. Well, you're hard on yourself in general, but anyway, let, that's too much of the coaching, but it's so good to get a little insight into Should your, I cut that or should I keep it in? Should keep I cut it in. Keep it in. Should I keep the part where you insinuated that I beat my wife, even though I'm a good friend? I don't know. You should. <laughs> well, talk about offensive mind, positive with the players, maybe beating and cheating on your wife. Oh I was Three things that are going to rocket you up the chart. I was going to title this episode swipe left too, because of that <laughs> hilarious joke. Uh, we will do, I mean, God, we're going to get close into the wins draft soon. We'll do over unders. Maybe we'll do interesting teams in the, in the East uh, yeah. next week. Cause we did some in the West, but there is a little bit of a lull. Hopefully we don't see a bunch of like Woj bombs in the middle of the week. Cause we, we finally have a, a little bit of a lull where there's no real basketball to watch and talk about. And so uh, enjoy your, enjoy your time off, Zan. You know, you don't, nothing you got to turn on the TV. I need for. to rest my body. Yeah. Get my mind right for the season. All right. Uh, he is Zan underscore Allison on Twitter and Reddit. Uh, apparently there's an article about the calves coming out. If that really is interesting to you, uh, you can email the show Zander at gmail.com. And uh, as always, Zan, it's a pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your host, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.